and welcome to another Colin episode. I decided to split this up a little bit because uh, I uh, had a couple of calls that were longer and my responses were longer and I was getting up over a half hour, um, especially with talk of uh, Lego games. So this one I am not going to mention a new game, uh, but I will answer some some more calls. I'm going to play Daniel's message from Bandit's Keep, and then right after that I'm going to go straight into Riley from Diegetic Advancement. I'm just going to play those two back to back. They talk about ladder tables and Mouse Ritter, or Mice and Mystics, uh, both. So I figure you can hear their feedback and then my response right after that. Hey, Merck, the Meek. It's Daniel from Bands Keep Calling In. I thought I had voted for the Meek persona. I like the Meek, so that's three. So now it's definitely a landslide. <laughs> uh, another great episode with the Collins. That mouse game sounds really fun. I'm seeing a mouse theme here. I don't know. Maybe I'm just noticing something here, but I see some mice. <laughs> no, that sounds really cool. I, I, and I know that the, some people don't like custom dice, but I love the idea of rolling and seeing swords or rolling and seeing shields. It's just so fun. So anyways, that game sounds really fun. I'll probably check it out. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I am also not tactically minded, so I don't think it'll be uh, you know too easy for me. <laughs> what was the other thing? Oh, the ladder tables. I have not tried them yet, but after listening to Joe, it sounds like that it works really well. And that's just real fun. I, I like the idea. And actually, as... Pink Phantom was calling in about the tables. I was thinking to myself, hold on, you could do something like that, your ladder tables with monsters, right? You could start with your, you know, whatever, your medium level monsters maybe, and then, you know, go one direction to the more difficult monsters and the other direction to the weaker monsters. So it's also kind of a fun way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I lo just love the idea of tables with memory. And it sounds like what you've got set up there is a really good and simple way to do it. Anyways, really enjoying the show. I will talk to you soon. Hey, Merck, Riley here. Um, thought I'd give you a quick call. Uh, firstly, your ladder generation, I gave that a download. Um, that worked really well. Um, I did play around with the um, with the distribution a little bit. Seems that uh, the middle results uh, all have the same chance of occurring or frequency of occurring, but the two end results are less likely. I think that has something to do with um, the way that you sort of pushes back when you roll over um all my coding skills suck um so that, that's quite interesting you get these two rare uh, rarer terrains at the very end i did try and play around with different dice to get um a different distribution for the results in the middle like using a d4 and d6 but that's skewed way too much and you get really rare stuff at, at the end so um it's probably not that useful and instead i think putting um multiple entries of the same terrain in is is the better way to go uh mouse ritter uh super fun it's probably my favorite uh mark of the odd game or into the odd inspired game um the uh, i i agree the um, the tokens for items it's really cool in principle but in practice it can be a little bit uh, uh difficult i ended up uh 3d printing out some little holders for them uh, to, to organize because going through a, a lot, someone finds a sword and you go through the, the hundred uh, tokens that you've got is uh, 
uh, way too long at the table, but having them organized um, makes that a little bit more manageable. Um, the physical copies are absolutely fantastic as well. The, the quality of the books, the tokens, all the adventures are amazing. If you can get your hands on the uh, the two box sets, the, the rules box set and the adventures box set, uh, definitely worth worth the money on that. Um, and lastly, uh, you know, love to hear your experiences playing games with your your family. So, um, you know, if you if you want to continue to share that, I'll I'll be happy to listen. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you later. Once again, thank you both for calling in, giving me some feedback. Uh, I start off with mice and mystics. Yeah, their custom dice are actually really robust, really cool. So you've got all six sides, and there's a number on each side, one through three as well, like in a corner. So you actually roll that. You roll these dice for everything, but you roll to move. You roll one of the dice, and whatever number comes up, you move that many spaces plus your base move. So, you know, you might have the strategy to get over to a bad guy, and you can't quite make it. So you've got to improvise. So they had some, uh, you know, dy- dynamism there. On the flip side, though, the the enemies roll to move, and it, they don't get like an extra move unless there's a special ability. So if you're about to get pounded by several melee fighters, but they roll a one and they can't get to you, you have a little reprieve. Uh, so they've got that. Uh, you know, this is all on the same D6, as well as like the shields and the, the swords and the cheese and everything. And then also on three sides, there's a little star in the corner as well. And for some tasks like, uh, you know, crossing a fast moving flow of water to get out on the other side, you roll a certain amount of dice. Uh, you roll one, and if there's other heroes on the the shore that can pull you up you roll a die for each one on the square that you would be entering in so you you know you you get a dice pool and any of them that roll a star means you succeed so there's other task resolution things in there as well that use that so this this is all in the same d6 so they they are really neat custom dice they uh, uh jerry the the designer of the game thought pretty long and hard, I guess, about uh, all these little design decisions. So I think it's a really cool game. And yes, there's definitely a mouse theme. So in Mouse Ritter, I was talking about the uh, the game, the RPG inspirations for it. But one of the game inspirations for Mouse Ritter was Mice and Mystics. So that's how I first learned about uh, that game. And I looked it up uh, you know, last Christmas season and saw like it was on deep discount because of, uh, you know, Black Friday and everything. Uh, so I went for it because yeah, you get um, five or six hero minis. So you have little hero mice and then you get, uh, I think, six rats, six or eight cockroaches. You get a, a spider and a um, centipede mini. You know, all with the base game, you get these pretty nice little minis. So I figure 
if I didn't like the game, I could still just, you know, get it for the, the minis that I could use for Mouse Ritter. So I got it, but it's, it's, I, it's a fantastic game. You know, we, uh, <laughs> we, we get hounded by the girls to play another story, you know, another chapter of the story. Uh, we don't have that kind of time, especially lately with all the family stuff going on. But um, yeah, but it is fun. We look forward to playing. Uh, we've house ruled it. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess you know that you, <laughs> you like the game uh, or you've played the game long enough that you've got house rules. So yeah, there's definitely that mouse theme. And it, it, it came from Mouse Ritter, essentially. And I'm, I'm glad to hear, Riley, that, uh, that you love Mouse Ritter as well. Um, I haven't played a ton, a ton of Mark of the Odd games. I don't know if there are like a ton out. I guess there's, it's a growing list, but I certainly like Mouse Ritter. And, you know, I did the whole uh, episode to explain why. So I won't go into too many more details. But, yeah, I hear you on getting something to organize the, the little... <laughs> the little uh, squares of equipment you know, I, I got like the little uh, bead organizers and put them in there and I, I don't know what happened but it's it's a mess and it's it still takes a while to rifle through I mean I would really need to label each little compartment and stick with it and in the game in the middle of the game it just it breaks the flow especially with an eight-year-old you know so uh, I did print out the um, the cardless um, sh character sheets, and I used that. We played like a little half-hour uh, session a couple days ago, and yeah, that worked well. They have little, you know, squares that you can mark usage and everything. So I'll probably stick with that for now and go to it every once in a while when there's, I don't know, more players, more older players that can uh, help me manage that maybe. But yeah, thank you. Ladder tables. If you haven't checked out the article, I'll, I'll link it again in the description, the Mindstorm uh, blog post that talks about the ladder tables. Definitely check that out. Uh, he goes into a, more details about changing up the dice like you did, Riley. Uh, you know, so you have a, you can have a trend in one direction or another. Um, also in that article, he does talk about resets. When you hit the end of the table, normally you would like reset back towards the middle and start over. But in this case, with the deep ocean and the high mountains, it, it's actually a feature, not a bug. Uh, I intended to do that. Of course, change it, modify it, however it works for you or you know you see fit. But um, if, if we're doing like mostly a land mass, I figure once you start hitting deep ocean, uh, that's kind of the end of your continent. So uh, I didn't want that coming up too often. That's why that's at the very end and you you know you wrap around instead of resetting so you don't get that result too too much. And then for high mountains, I, I think of that like Everest and other peaks like that um, that are gonna be pretty inhabitable by humans. You could have adventures up there but I figured that would be more of a rare few and far between than your normal size mountains, you know, you know, a mountain range. So that was also my rationale for having that at the end and not getting that result quite as often. But if you want super high mountains, then, you know, switch it up for sure.
Excuse me. And if if you're doing like an island crawl type of thing, then yeah, you definitely want to switch how you handle the deep ocean stuff for sure. But I, my use case was trying to come up with uh, you know some continent type stuff. So yeah, season to taste, of course. And yeah, uh, Daniel talking about how you could be using this for like your monsters and whatnot and uh, trending in one direction or another. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, this isn't, the, the concept isn't original to me, uh, you know, it's just, it's really neat to see how many different applications you could use. Uh, and back to like that trending thing, you could be rolling D6s and of course the lower one, um, the lower colored die put, may, uh, determines the direction. So maybe while you're in the dungeon uh, and you have, I don't know, light or you have certain certain circumstances, the, the PCs have created circumstances that work in their favor that would, um, you know, dissuade heavier hitting monsters from uh, attacking, then you could have the PCs roll a D4 versus the normal D6 to trend towards the easier monsters. Or maybe they've got a bunch of carcasses that they're hauling around and that makes a penalty. So instead of rolling the normal D6 or the D4, they now have to roll the D8. So the, the D6 is likely to trend and push it towards harder encounters. So yeah, there's another use case there. Or another one with just the D4s that I was thinking of is you if you have like factions in a in a dungeon, maybe I don't know, two or three factions. You've got like goblins and hobgoblins and orc, orcs and ogres as another faction, and then I don't know, a, a group of bandits as another faction, and you have multiple encounters on a table, you can you can have that ladder table simulating you are moving towards a, a certain faction zone or um, you know you're moving towards another one as you go deeper in the dungeon because it like trends one way or the other or you've been in one faction but then it starts trending towards a different faction well this could represent that faction doing some incursions into the other faction's territory uh, so I mean there I guess there's so many different little uh, little things you could simulate when you have a table with memory. And, I, and that was the genius from Goblin's Henchman with the hex flower. It's just, I, I find the, the ladder table, it's, you know, it's a little, little more straightforward to me, a little easier to put on a page, I suppose. But uh, kudos to him for coming up with it and kudos for with Mindstorm for um, creating the ladder tables. And, uh, you know, I've just taking it in a different direction. Next up, I'm gonna do some calls from Evil Jeff. And then actually in the interim, uh, Bandits Keep messaged me again. So I will include that as well together. And then we'll talk about these two calls. Merc, it's Evil Jeff. Hey. Uh, I'm glad you started podcasting there. I've been listening in. Uh, just have not had a half a moment to get in there and uh, record anything until now. Uh, 
sounds really good. Uh, don't worry about your voice. Uh, I think you've got the right groove on there. So keep doing what you're doing. You know, and it's really not about what you say. It's uh, excuse me, how you say it is, is what you say. You know, I think that's what many of us are here for. We like the content, you know, and not everybody can be a brash, you know, son of a gun like me trying to be obnoxious and make people listen to you. You know, that, 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 that just doesn't feel like your groove, you know? So there is that. I have to say, I did like your episode on personalities and how you generate those. Uh, gave me a nice uh, bit of thought there and how to expand things. Uh, personality is definitely a good thing. Um, motivations also to me help out there. I think what you were talking about and uh, Goblin's henchman uh, gives an, a GM enough tools to really work with that. The part there, uh, which podcast was it, uh, when you're talking about, oh, the advent calendar. Uh, yeah, um, my wife and I and the uh, two minions uh, did the same exact one last year. We didn't quite finish it because uh, illness last year, but we actually did that particular one that you were talking about. So, yeah, good stuff there. All right, you got one more podcast to go, so I'll go listen to it later. Hey, Mark, Daniel from Bandits Keep Calling In. Just because, you know, I want to put more calls on top of your heap of calls. <laughs> Kidding, of course. And if, like people said on the Discord, don't feel like you need to, uh, to play any of these. But I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm really loving how you're talking about all different games. Uh, the, oh, I can't remember the one from the last one, but that sounded super cool. And then, of course, it was mouse-related. And then <laughs> this Lego one sounds really fun, too. And while it's certainly, as you say, more of a kid's game, which <laughs> maybe I'm a big kid, you know, I think that when we play different types of games, it can really inspire just everything we do. Like, I love picking up, I've been like diving into like old hex and shit war games and just finding even online, like little simple video games, because I think looking at gaming from different angles improves our thoughts or improves our thoughts if it was our methods maybe is the best way to say it when we're running at the table right maybe something will just be like oh yeah you know in this uh lego game you you do this and i could actually use that mechanic you know i could totally see doing some kind of like a uh, keystone cops uh <laughs> scene with the the player characters like running around trying to uh avoid being picked up by the the city watch or whatever and using a mechanic similar to that game or even putting that game on the table I've mentioned this before on calls to other people's shows who, who didn't actually like the idea. But, you know, that's okay. That I love to pull out different games. You know, I will literally play a different game with my players at the table in character sometimes. And they love it. They, they think it's fun. It's a good break from things. So whenever you talk about other games, it just gives me more ideas in my head of things I could do at the table. Anyways, very cool. Uh, thanks for everything you do. I'll talk to you soon. Once again, both of you, thank you for your kind words appreciate that and i'm loving how uh how these little you know game reviews i don't know what to call them have been uh inspiring for people whether it's you know, sparking memories or inspiring new ideas um yeah i hope spencer can get the advent calendar for next year and i you know evil jeff i hope you can uh try again and finish it it's it's fun for sure now i'm also curious uh, especially you, Evil Jeff, and anyone else, but 
if you if you do those like um, escape room puzzle games, first off, how how often do y'all do puzzles in your games? Uh, especially like blatant that type of puzzle. Um, and how well do you think you could incorporate some of those into your game? Uh, I mean, some of them they're like too thematic to the you know the Santa's workshop or the the um, ski lodge thing, and it just it doesn't wouldn't necessarily fit. But I, I'm just curious how 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 well do you feel uh, puzzles work in a game like D and D or whatever? I mean, like Funhouse Dungeons are are very, you know, blatant about what's going on there. But how often do you do it in a not so Funhouse Dungeon situation? That would be. Uh, I'm curious what other people, how other people feel about that. But yeah, I mean the, I I I'm love board games. You know, I I consume a healthy diet of variety there. Board games, card games. RPGs, uh, you know, I, I kind of love them all. And especially if you're playing like a procedure heavy RPG, you're basically playing a free flowing board game in character, more or less. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean that like derogatively or anything, but uh, I, I think that would be cool. I should probably do that more often. Uh, just pull out mini games. Um, so. I've talked a little bit, I think, about the, the TPK that my my daughters went through in Mouse Ritter because of a, uh, a, a wizard fireballed them. I tried to do like a, a, a little mini chase rule thing, a little supplement that I found, but I I just grabbed it quick. I, I did a quick read of it before that, um, and I just at the time, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a little chase to get away from this wizard. I'll just use this. But I didn't have the rules down. And it ultimately, the, the wizard caught up instantly, practically, because I, I wasn't following the rules properly. And, and therefore, they got the fireball after that. Um, so I mean, they were, they're still super troopers about it and everything. But, I mean, if, if I played it more... And if I had like the Lego game at the time, we could have pulled that out instead. And yeah, if you if you you know, you you don't you know necessarily like the burglars need to get all the money, but if you hit all these spots, or you get to this pre-designated finish line before the cops get to you, well then you escape the wizard. And because of that familiarity with the board game, I think that would have worked out a lot better. So. I, I I hear you. I'm on your side. Um, you know, I I think we should be experimenting a little bit more with what we use. I'm, in the last call, in, we were talking about cards. You know, wh why does it have to just be the math rocks? You know, why just dice? Why not add some more stuff? Is it kitschy? Is it cheesy? Yeah, I suppose it could be. But this is a game. This is fun. Like that's that's the point. So why not? incorporate different types of fun and yeah it's nice to have a break sometime so i hear you i totally hear you okay these two calls came in a little later they are from jason of the nerds rpg variety cast and carl from the gmologist presents i'll play these two together and discuss a little bit they're not 
totally related, but they both talk about cards. So we'll add them in here now. Hey, Jason here. Just want to let you know that I'm really enjoying the show. And I wanted to call on the idea of using cards to supplement dice or replace dice or whatever. Cards in the place of dice is a randomizer. And it's a really interesting topic. And we'll see different games use it. Uh, RFED, Darren Green, I haven't heard a whole lot. I think he's been busy. I haven't seen a whole lot lately. But he had built a game around all cards, which is really interesting. Um, I don't know if that ever got released. I don't think it has. He's probably still developing that. But anyhow, the only thing I have with cards are, you know, you have a finite amount in the deck, so you can count cards, or which might be a plus if you want to be able to count cards in, in the system you design, or you end up having to reshuffle a whole lot. Now, obviously, online, it's just a click of a button to reshuffle, so that's not a problem. You can reshuffle every draw. But... In person, if you're not reshuffling a bunch, now you're counting cards. And again, that might not be a bad thing. You might design that as a perk of the system. But it's something to keep in mind when using cards in that way. Anyhow, great, great show. I look forward to seeing what you do next. Hey, Mark. Thank you for playing my call and getting into the discussion about using cards to determine PC motivation. And just to clarify... I don't know if anyone plays Twilight 2000, but just to clarify before the, well, it actually is, I will tell you what it actually is now that I'm here sitting in there, sitting in front of the book and not driving in my car. So the NPC motivation clubs are violence, spades are power, diamonds represent wealth, and hearts represent fellowship. So then it is the card value still from weak to you know, very powerful motivation uh, for that person. So, for example, under violence, two to four would be weak motivation of violence, but, you know, maybe somewhat sociopathic. But then an ace would be a war leader. A power would be someone who's weakly wants power, very passive aggressive, maybe. And then the ace would be megalomaniac. And then wealth would be weak to generous. And then hearts and fellowship, weak to just or honorable. So, uh, so I think it really works for me, um, and uh, it has helped determine how, kind of as an NPC reaction, how the people you meet along the road are going to react to the player characters when their convoy full of bristling with guns and ammo shows up. All right, cool stuff. Thanks, Carl, for the clarification. Um, I did some poking around looking at Twilight 2000 uh, after your first call, so it, it does seem pretty interesting. It's neat how you can cater those um, different categories, the different suits, to particular themes in your game. So, yeah, it, those categories make sense for a Twilight 2000 game, and depending on whatever genre you're playing, you might change those up, which is... A fun little feature. I'm wondering if you could go even um, more granular a little bit. So you've got like your you've got your two through tens of each suit, but then you've got your quote-unquote face cards. And I'm throwing the ace in there as well, so you could have a little extra subcategory almost, or maybe a face card 
has its own little scale, but it also means to draw another card. So if you got a, a like a jack for from spades, jack is low. Um, jack would be low power, but you also draw another card. So then if you got like a, a um, let's say a, a five of diamonds, you could say, well, because we got the jack, that's low power, and the five of diamonds is mid-wealth. So you just kind of add a little extra flavor to the cards with that, that division between suits. I don't know, just randomly spitballing, but that's pretty neat. So yeah, thanks for that, Carl. And also, yeah, game mechanic, Jason, I don't think it's a deal breaker that people could be counting cards. I mean, I, I suppose in some situations you might not want that, but I mean, <laughs> kudos to any player that's going to be counting out the 52 cards. And I guess if you wanted to do kind of like the best of both worlds, you you just draw cards until you get around halfway done with the deck, and then you shuffle them from there. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it a little more, the Lego game is essentially uh, powered by cards, more or less. You know, you are able to count whether you're going to get a certain number as you get lower because it's such a small amount of uh, tiles that you'd flip for your, your movement, you know, one through six plus the, the train tile. So, and to me, that's a, that is a fun uh, little feature as well. Uh, but, I mean, that's that's a minor little uh, example of it. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on the game. As you're saying, like, it could be a feature or it could be a bug, uh, depending on what you want. Um, I think there are certain games where y you could have that metagame aspect to it of, like, well, we've gotten rid of all the spades and we've gotten rid of all the hearts, so we know that this is what would be drawn to some degree. Um, yeah, it could be fun. I hear you both ways. But yeah, thanks for calling in. Um, I, I still, I would keep that in mind, but I think I would still pursue or at least explore the, the card mechanics in that case. Okay, I think that's it for now. Once again, to everyone that's called in, and, and just anyone who's listened, thank you so much. I appreciate it. For fellow podcasters' support through Collins or through the Audio Dungeon Discord, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's just been fun to participate, whether through me calling into other podcasts or starting this podcast and having people call in. It's fun to have that conversation, you know, Talking and sharing, uh, like the the generation stuff that I've done, that's cool. But I'm enjoying the conversations, and it's it's really stimulating and really neat. So I'm just enjoying being a part of this. So once again, thank you all very much. Uh, yes, sometimes the Collins, uh, you know, I'm still trying to find my stride here with how to to handle them all and how quickly I should be coming out with things, but I'll get there. And uh, yeah, I've said thank you very many times. 
Is it going to hurt if I say one more time? Thank you all and take care.